0: So we had
1: been following some of the open-source reporting um, about this particular influence campaign uh, ever since FireEye came out with it in 2020.
0: That's Matt Stafford. He's a senior threat intelligence researcher at Prevalian. The research we're discussing today is titled, Diving Deep into UNC-1151's Infrastructure, Ghostwriter, and Beyond. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust Plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscalercom AI.
1: It was interesting to us uh, for a number of reasons, at least of which, you know, being that it is ongoing. So we wanted to ensure that the community and the industry at large had as much information as it needed to kind of proactively take care of whatever issues that this campaign was causing.
0: Can you give us some of the background on the players here? I mean, we're we're sort of highlighting UNC-1151, and also uh, I suppose Ghost Rider is... Uh, I don't know, hitch their wagon to that name or is a subset? How would you describe it?
1: Sure. Ghostwriter is a uh, large, broad influence campaign that started years ago. It's It's been years in the running. Some of the reporting suggests it goes back to 2014, 2015, but FireEye released their report in 2020, saying it went back to 2017. And then in 2021— they released another report actually attributing parts of Ghostwriter, the influence campaign, to a certain threat actor, Unc. 1151. They, along with some other vendors in the industry, released some indicators of compromise, which really was a list of domains and infrastructure that Unc. 1151 had used for parts of the Ghostwriter campaign. That is where we started pulling on the threads uh, with our you know unique visibility into web-based infrastructure to kind of illuminate more of the Ghostwriter infrastructure.
0: Well, let's walk through that together. I mean first of all, can you describe to us how do you go about doing the things you do where Where do you get the um the unique views into this that you do as a company?
1: Sure. so prevailion sits on a proprietary uh, data set that uses domain registration, passive DNS, DNS zone data, and infrastructure data sets as input. And then we have kind of a bespoke data analysis pipeline that correlates all of that with several different threat exchange feeds. And what that does for us is it shrinks the haystack to a manageable size, which then allows our human analysts to come in and chase down the resultant leads at the end of that. So we boil the ocean down to a more manageable size, maybe a large pond, so then we can effectively <laughs> expend our limited time and resources on leads that have been pre-identified.
0: Well, let's walk through it together then, how you apply your tools to this data set that, as you say, you know, FireEyes Mandiant Group had uh, had sort of blazed the pathway here, and then you picked it up and applied your own techniques to it. Can you walk us through how that works?
1: Sure. So we used um, previous public reporting. FireEye was among the vendors that had released reporting on this, and uh, we used that as our starting point. Hmm. We were able to identify some patterns and overlap with web infrastructure and Creation, so that being historical domain registration data, uh, TLS certificate data, DNS records, and hosting data, which allowed us to kind of identify additional domains that had been used by Uncle M51 during the Ghostwriter campaign. So we identified an additional 83 domains which had not been previously reported, which kind of contributed to. A threefold increase in in UNCLE 1151's known infrastructure.
0: Now, are there patterns here? I mean, what uh, anything that uh, stands out with these domains in, in terms of uh, their tradecraft?
1: Yes. We identified overlapping TTPs throughout the investigation, domain naming themes that likely enabled phishing across both official government and personal accounts, recurring Polish and Ukrainian words that formed additional naming themes that we could then identify and use to further our investigation. Domain naming structures, how they actually created the naming structure for their domains and subdomains was something that we were able to to pivot on and, and use as overlapping behavior. And they also had a regional focus. You could tell from the subdomains that they were using, uh, who their targets were. So that Hmm. also helped us identify where they were operating and what they were focusing on.
0: And what can we gather there in terms of who this is likely and who they're targeting? So
1: according to the previous open source reporting, this group is a cyber espionage group, a state-backed cyber espionage group that engages in targeted spear phishing. So they're not blasting out huge amounts of phishing emails. They are picking their targets carefully, which overlaps with the domain naming themes we've seen. They will create kind of a generic, legitimate-sounding root domain, such as net-account.online, and then they will include a prefix to that for a subdomain that will allow them to target specific Audiences. So hmm. we've seen prefixes to those, we've seen subdomains to those root domains for regional email providers, such as UKRnet or GMX, which are Eastern European Ukrainian email providers. And we've also, we've seen all that all the way to official um, Polish and Ukrainian uh, military and government accounts.
0: Now, some of the results that you gathered here, you you um you assessed with high confidence and some with moderate confidence. What goes into you determining you know the amount of confidence that you have in a in a conclusion here?
1: So because Prevalian is focused on web infrastructure, we can't see anything that occurred on the endpoint and we don't have any visibility into the web servers of the Threat actor or the victim. So, all we can see is historical hosting data, historical DNS data. So, that is one part of why we um, have to assess things with moderate confidence. The other part of it is um, sometimes the personas that the threat actor used or the age of the evidence we're looking at will prevent us from assessing something with high confidence. There's just too much time has passed or there isn't enough overlapping infrastructure or facts to support a assessment of high confidence.
0: So what are the conclusions here? I mean, based on the research that you all did, uh, what did you learn?
1: I think the biggest takeaway was that this activity is ongoing. I mean, we have domain registrations as current as this month, September of 2021. So Mm. despite The fact that the security community continues to track this, both within private industry as well as various governments, it has not caused an observable slowdown in this actor's operations. The weekend after we published this blog post, the German government attributed publicly phishing attempts on members of German parliament to this threat actor. And as recently as this week, there have been additional threat intelligence reports from other vendors that this campaign is still ongoing.
0: It's interesting to me the the sort of um, community effort that's going on here. I mean, you know, as you mentioned, you built off of some some open source uh, information that from other organizations, uh, uh, information coming from various places around the world. Why is it important for you at Prevalion to take a part in this, to publish your own information here, to, to build on what's already been gathered?
1: I think the most important reason to keep working at this problem as a community is because this activity is very hard to defend against. It's hard to get counter-messaging out there, especially in the case of Tainted leaks, where there's a tree of disinformation in a forest of fact, it makes it really difficult to identify and counteract some of these damaging narratives. When you have a threat actor that has such a enhanced ability to identify and take advantage of sociocultural fissures in the target environment, it becomes incumbent on everybody in the industry with visibility to shine a light on this activity.
0: You know, you mentioned that that these folks, you know, the Ghostwriter campaign is primarily um, spearfishing. And so, as you mentioned, you know, targeted. Is it likely that the folks that they are after are aware that they are at a heightened risk of, of being targeted for something like this? I, I guess what I'm asking is, you know, this this isn't a, a broad campaign where, you know, standard sorts of um, uh, suggestions for, you know, endpoint protection, those sorts of things would, would necessarily fit the bill.
1: Right. I, I I think that the targets of the Ghostwriter campaign probably rain, run, the, run the gamut from very informed to not informed. And I think what hmm. makes this campaign so dangerous is that They are targeting both official government accounts, which have security built into them for the most part, but they're also targeting personal accounts, iCloud, Twitter, social media accounts. Like This allows them to take those pre-established personas with built-in followers as well as implied credibility and then broadcast disinformation without people being able to fact check it.
0: Our thanks to Matt Stafford from Prevalian for joining us. The research is titled, Diving Deep into UNC-1151's Infrastructure, Ghostwriter and Beyond. We'll have a link in the show notes. The Cyberwire Research Saturday is proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our amazing Cyberwire team is Elliot Peltzman, Trey Hester, Brandon Karp, Peru Prakash, Justin Sabi, Tim Nodar, Joe Kerrigan, Carol Terrio, Ben Yellen, Nick Vilecki, Gina Johnson, Bennett Moe, Chris Russell, John Petrick, Jennifer Iben, Rick Howard, Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner.